into the whole flower shop thing, right? And, uh, and we're uh, embarking on a series, our next one that's, that's after, in a, it'll start in March, called Leap of Faith. And so there's a part B that we filmed that we're going to incorporate into that. It's very cool, and it's just full of God moving and stuff, so you can enjoy that. And uh, um, it's going to be very fun. So uh, good morning, everyone. I'm stoked you're here. Everybody good? You good? Yeah, me too. So um, when you came in, right, you got a program, and there's an outline in there. You're going to need that today for sure. Put that, and uh, even if you're not a note taker, can I ask you to just take that out and stick it on your lap? And uh, you, you can write on it if you want. Um, you can make an airplane out of it, whatever you want to do. All right, just uh, uh, throw the airplane during the worship part, not the message. So, uh, but um, whatever you want to do. And uh, we're in this series that's, uh, that's called The Language of God, right? You just saw that several different places. I, I, I think Corey said it as well as I could possibly say it. But, you know, the heart of the deal, right? Like if you've, I, I like to every now and then just think, well, what, what are we doing here? What, what is this? This is just, I, I, having not grown up as a guy that automatically went to church, having grown up as a guy that never went to church, right? It, it still strikes me as odd that I'm in this building with you and that you're here, right? And, uh, and, and the, the heart of it is, is that we, we're, we're here at least hoping that somehow, some way, there's a God and he might speak to us, right? That somehow I might hear from this God out there. That's, that's the heart of what we're doing in this room right now, right? That's, that's kind of the heart of that, that, that God is here. And as Francis Schaeffer said, this famous Christian philosopher, that God is here and he is not silent. But here's the question, well, but, but how? I think that's where most people live, but how, how does that work? So um, in the series Language of God, last week, our, our main point was this, just to, in case you missed it, um, despite your doubts, Dare to believe that God wants to speak to you. Yes, you. Yes, me. Yes, you. Right? And that's a good thing. So in February, we're kind of uh, designating this month as the month that we dare to believe that God might want to speak to us. That you, you dare to believe that maybe that could be you. Right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to just, hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you dare to believe and you, you get burned. But it's a short month, so you'll get over it. Right? So uh, it's February. And... Uh, and if you, if, you're, if you like books, if you read books, um, if you buy books and they just sit there, uh, that's fine too. But if you actually read them, there's a, the, the best book I've ever encountered on the voice of God is one of our heroes around here, uh, Dallas Willard, uh, intellectual heroes for sure. He's, he opens his book saying, hearing God, a daring idea, some would say, presumptuous, even dangerous. Some of you have heard stuff like that about the voice of God. But what if we're made for it? What if we're made for it? What if, what if the human sim- system simply will not function properly without it? And there are good reasons to think it will not. The fine texture as well as the grand movements of our life show the need. Now, this, this is the kabam statement right here. If you want, you can say kabam when I'm done reading it. Um, <clears throat> it is, not, is it not, in fact, more presumptuous and dangerous to undertake human existence without hearing from God. Yeah. That was good. That was good. I'm not really crazy about amens, but kabams are awesome. So, you know, I, I don't know what amen means exactly. No one, frankly, you know, honestly, no one really does. But uh, it, we know what kabam means, right? Like, what if, it's, what if it's more presumptuous to believe that you can go through life without hearing from God? Kabam, like that. 
right? So we got to learn how to do that. There's a famous quote in the Bible. You might not even know that this is from the Bible, but it is. I remember I knew it, and I didn't know it was from the Bible. Man shall not live by... Everybody knows that, right? But here's what most people don't know, the rest of the sentence. It, there's a but there. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread, but here's what you're going to live by, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow. I mean, clearly this is not like the, the upgraded edition of life. This is like the basic. This is the, the transmission and tires part of life, right? So here's today's message in a line for those of you with short attention spans. Uh, come here, come here, come here. And then you can go back to wherever your mind is. You know, the monkeys playing cymbals or whatever you're thinking about, right? That uh, God has life-altering words for you. God has life-altering words for you. He does. But often they come as a whisper. He has life-altering words, but often they come as a whisper. You might notice on the title of the message that's on the top of the outline, listening to the still, small voice. You should put that in quotes. It's, It's a phrase that those that have been around church for a while, most of you are familiar with that phrase. And uh, next week, we're going to really unpack the passage that it comes from. It's a, it's, it's a God and Elijah encounter. This week, I just want to show it to you so you have a little you know, point of reference for it. And then we'll get, uh, next week, we'll get more into it. But in 1 Kings 19.12, it's on your outline, I believe. It's, it's about Elijah, who's one of the, the luminaries of the Old Testament. Like uh, in the story of the Bible, he's a very large personality. Figures largely in the story of God. The, considered probably the greatest prophet. And even to this day at Passover, you set an empty seat for Elijah, right? I mean, he's a big guy. And so he's just had his most... The most fam- one of the most famous guys has had one of his most famous experiences. And I remember when I first got to Israel and the, f- the first time I went, the first day standing on Mount Carmel, it was just an amazing experience where Elijah had this experience where he, it's him, just one guy, and there's 400 prophets of this false god named Baal, and, there, and, and, there's, and, just a, the, and what ends up happening, I'm just cutting to the chase, is that fire from heaven comes down and consumes his offering. Like, and not just the, the, the poor dead cow that's on there, or lamb that's on there, but, but the, the rocks, the, the stone, the dirt, the whole deal. It's a big deal. And everything, a uh, big deal happens. Elijah ends up, uh, oddly enough, depressed and, and hiking from northern Israel all the way to Mount Sinai to the very spot, coincidentally enough, where Moses got the commandments, the cave. He's in the cave, right? And, uh, and he's there just, just bumming. I, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's in a, probably if, if it was today, we didn't, he'd be clinically depressed. And, um, and so God is, there's phenomena in nature happening around him. Big, crazy stuff, right? And so we're getting it mid-story. Like I said, we'll unpack this more next week. He says, blah, 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 and now look at the verse. And after the earthquake, so there's like other stuff, like, oh, earthquakes. Like after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice, a still, small voice. Uh, I wanted to just kind of just, just show this to you. That the Hebrew is kol damaman daka, and that's what it looks like transliterated into English. And here's what it means, like a word-for-word translation. That first word, kol, is voice. The, like, it's a common phrase in the Old Testament, kol Yahweh, kol Adonai, the voice of God. Kol is voice. And then Damama means 
it's really a funky word. It means a whisper. It can also mean a silence. And interestingly enough, a kol dacha, a thin, fine, kind of almost a soft. A, so you get the, the traditional translation in the, like the old versions of English were the still, small voice. But there's this, it's kind of a halting phrase. It's a, it says, and after the fire, a voice, a voice thin, fine, and small, and quiet, a whisper. It's kind of like that. It's like a halting phrase. Does that make sense? So how in, it's so instructive, right? That God's not speaking through the spectacular but through the still small voice, of course, I mean, we like the spectacular. I do anyways. I love the pyrotechnic show. <laughs> like, I, I would have, I, how cool would it have been to have seen that, right? But Elijah, and Elijah, this guy is no stranger to big honking miracles. No stranger at all. But this is where God met him. God met him in the thin, fine voice. And so we're like, wow, well, what's, what's that like? What's, what's it like to hear that? Uh, how do you do that? So we're, our main focus is on another story in the Bible, another big deal, not as famous as Elijah, but a, a guy named Shemuel, or Samuel as we know him, and uh, this is when he's a little boy. There's two books in the Old Testament named after him, First and Second Samuel. They probably weren't written by him, at least most of it, because it records his death, so unless he's like ghostwriter, literally. Uh, 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 I just made that up. It's funny. But uh, ghostwriter. Right? Somebody write that down for me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, unless he's that, I mean, he's clearly not the writer. But it, the, he's the biggest character, so the book is named First Samuel. So, so here's, uh, he's just a little guy at this point. His, it's, it's kind of a, you have to get into their culture, and we won't go into it too much, but um, his, his mom uh, was praying for a, a, a child, and the Lord gave her a child. She was, she was unable to have children. And the Lord broke through that and gave her a child. And she said, my first child that you give me, I'm going to dedicate to the Lord. Which meant, once he's, you know, like a little past preschool, he's going to go live where the tabernacle is. Like, not really the temple that wasn't built yet, but like the, the place. And he's going to serve, he's going to be an assistant to, to, the, to the guy there, the guy named Eli. And so he, there he is. He's there, and it's all good. Now Samuel, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli and a word from the Lord was rare in those days. And visions were infrequent. By the way, that's never a good thing. That's not like they're going, eh, no, that's just the dispensation we're in. No, that's not it. It's like something was wrong in Israel. And so words were rare. They're not supposed to be rare. Visions are not supposed to be infrequent. But, but they were. It was, it was a spiritual drought, as it were. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see. Well, that's because he's old. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. Where the font, he's, he's up to about 18 point font at this point in his life, right? And, uh, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's Bible talk for he's not dead yet, but he's well on his way. And, uh, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. You've heard of the ark. Uh, it's what Indiana Jones was chasing and stuff. So um, it's quicker than giving you the Bible background. So, uh, um, and... Uh, so it's where the ark of God was. Is that the Lord called, and, called Samuel, and Samuel said, here I am. And then he ran to Eli, because he thought Eli was calling him. And he said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. 
Go lie down. It's the middle of the night. So he went and lied down. Next slide. The Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Hey, here I am if you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, kid. Lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. That doesn't mean that Samuel's like not a Christian or something when he don't, doesn't know the Lord. It means that he's not familiar with how the ways of God. He hasn't learned this yet. He hasn't learned what God sounds like. That's what it means by that. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned. He understood. He, he got it. The light bulb went on. That's what that kind of the idea of that verb is. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And this part is on your outline, I think. And Eli said to Samuel, Okay, I think I got this. Now go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, or you could translate this, when he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You could see him. He probably went over this a couple times. Now, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. All right, you got it. Right. Okay, now go lie down. So Samuel went and lied down in his place. Then the Lord came. Now, we're up to four times. Are you getting this? The Lord came and stood and called Samuel at, at other times. This time, notice he says his name twice. Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And then you're going to, the rest of the word. Now, like, how does this work? What, what, is, what, are, we, what are we looking at here? Well, a couple of observations that I don't want you to miss, right? The first thing, we touched on this last week, but let me talk about it again, is learn. You got to, there's, there's clearly... A learning curve here. Are you seeing that? That there's a learning curve in hearing the voice of God. This is not a yes or no. You got it or you don't. You know? Yeah. This isn't like talent. That you either can't. Like, like ability to sing. Where you can get a little better or a little worse. But you either can or you can't. It's not that. You have to learn. Here's the, here's the phrase. You or the rest of your note. You learn to hear God's voice in an ongoing relational process. An ongoing relational process. No matter where you are here today, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, there's learning to be done about this. It's an ongoing relational process. It's kind of like getting to know a person. It's not kind of like getting to know a person. It is exactly getting to know a person. And that's never done. Have you noticed that? It's never done. Some of you might have been, I don't know, anybody got uh, more than 20 years in on marriage here? All right. (laughs) It's wearily going up. Yeah, I'm in. That's right. All right. You know this, right? You, you still feel like, like, okay, I think I know this person pretty darn well, but not fully. They're, they're still capable of throwing you for a loop, right? So it's an ongoing relational process, here it is, of understanding plus practice. Understanding plus practice. There's an educational term that's used for this sometimes called praxis. It's from a Greek word, and it comes... <clears throat> this Greek word is in Hebrews. Let's put the Hebrews verse up there. Okay, but solid food is for the mature, who because of, and the Greek word is praxis, because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. A couple of things there. Notice solid food is for the mature. What is the solid food? And those, the, it, some people have heard, well, solid food, that's the, the deep, more detailed, more doctrinal, more like, you know, like to really, you know, get into the word, dig into the word. That is, 
wrong. Let's look at the verse. That's not what it is. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says that's the basics. That's the milk. That's the, yeah, whatever. You know, that you know a lot of stuff. Your head's all swelling. You know, like, remember that Star Trek episode with those people with the massive heads? And, uh, but that's not the solid food. The solid food is for the mature who, people who are practicing. What are we talking about? Practice? Yes, practice, right? Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, who are actually out doing this stuff, trying this stuff. They have their senses trained. It's this, there's these two things going on. One is that you are learning more stuff. Yes, you have to, you have to learn like what you're doing right now. But, but just increasing your information does not equal transformation in your life. So you, you get a little bit of information... And then you practice it. You, even, you could even use this word, experiment. You do know, right, that your relationship with God, when you're in his presence, is a safe place. It's a safe place to, to share your thoughts, the ones that you think are kind of unorthodox thoughts, the ones that you're, you're not sure if they're really true or not. It's a safe place to try stuff out. It's, it's okay to say to God, I think you're saying this to me, but I'm kind of new at this. I don't know. I, this sure seems like you, God. I'm, Am I getting this? It's, you're, you're safe to do that. It's not like God's going to slap you and say, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> don't, say, don't talk to me if you can only say stupid things, right? That's not it at all. So here, here's a practice for the week. So for this week, you can try this out. You might even try if you have a group like that you're in. If you don't, you should get in one. But like maybe you could start your group off with by reviewing your week and asking yourself this question or, or saying, identifying little points in your week, thoughts, impressions you've had, stuff that's happened, um, experiences that might have this label. That might be God. That just might have been God. Maybe that was God. I wonder if that thought was God. I wonder if that thing that happened was God. I saw this same thing, this same sign on the, on the side of the road six different times this week. I kept noticing it. I wonder if that was God. I wonder if boy, this one person kept saying this to me. I wonder if that was God. So that's your practice for the week. Just practice. See what happens, right? Here's the other thing that, that I want you to get. So first is learn. There's a thing that people say. I've actually heard pastor types say this. And, and for the life of me, I don't know if they just tried to save some money and got the part of the Bible that didn't include stories like this. But um, the, uh, the, the thing is you hear sometimes is a phrase, it'll, it'll sound something like this. And it sounds very pious, and it even kind of at first sounds right until you think about it. Here it is. If God speaks to you, and they always say it like that, right? If God speaks to you, you'll know it. Oh, you'll know it. I've heard people, I've heard people say this. It's like getting hit over the head by a two-by-four. You know, you'll know it. Like, I'm thinking, ergo, I don't want God to speak to me. Uh, every time I've been hit over the head with anything, let alone a two-by-four, it's been quite unpleasant, right? So, uh, God, I tell you what. We'll just talk later, like after I'm dead. And uh, like, uh, if God speaks to you, you'll know it. It's, I think that's the most common and perhaps the most harmful misconception about the voice of God in people's life. And it's maybe the most obviously unbiblical. Here's, there are times that it is that hearing the voice of God is like getting hit with something. Yes, there are times, but that's never God's plan A. You've passed plan A, B, C, D. You're now in deep into the alphabet at that point, all right? But here's the thing. 
if you read this passage, one of the things you learn about the voice of God that many times, apparently, it is, there's no such word as this until today, ready? Here it is, it is missable. The voice of God is missable. God's voice can be missed. And he leaves it to us to learn to hear. Now just think about the story you just read. Is there any other conclusion you can possibly come to? Here it is. Here's Eli, a long time old man, almost dead old man, kind of prophet, leader. He's the head schmo of the spiritual life of the nation of Israel. He's the guy that's running the temple, as it were, like the, as such as it was at the time. It was a tent then. They didn't, hadn't built the structure. He was that guy. And he had heard from God many times in his life. And it was the third time that Eli discerned, whoa, maybe it's God speaking to this kid. Here's Samuel who ends up being one of the great prophets of Israel. And he went three times thinking the guy down the hall was calling him. So apparently, however he experienced it, whatever Samuel experienced was capable of being misunderstood or mistook to be just the voice of some guy saying something. Maybe even his own thoughts, his own head, as it were. When we talk about the voice, we're talking about God interacting often with your voice, your thoughts, so quietly sometimes that you could just pass it off as a random thought or as something that somebody said. Or, wait, I thought I heard something. Well, maybe I didn't. The God's voice, listen, is missable. I... I have a theory, it's just a theory, it's probably right, but um, that, that probably the vast majority of things that God has ever said to people have been missed. The vast majority. Who knows what percentile? It's scary to think. I'm pretty sure the vast majority of things he said to me, I've missed. I've passed right by. Now, I want you to just, just think with me because we, we, we want to tie this into the nature of the God that we're talking about, like who this God is. This kind of goes along, if you think about it, these two things, learning and missable. Like you're thinking, well, this is kind of, why is God doing it like this? Like why, why is God doing it? Like this? Is, there, is there a part of you that is thinking, why doesn't God just say it? Man, if he has something to say, just spit it out, man. <laughs> why do you, you got to be all mush mouth about this thing, you know? <laughs> that if God would just like, maybe if God would from the sky, like in, in his God voice, his Hello, Ed, and uh, why don't you stop it and knock it off, you knucklehead? Why doesn't, why doesn't God just do that? Or who knows? Maybe God has a really high voice. Hey, Ed, you know, or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But why? Because that would settle it, right? That'll settle it. Would it? Well, here's the facts. He has. And it didn't. Didn't settle anything. Many times. There's several times recorded in the scripture where God exact, did exactly that. Spoke out of heaven. Here's one in the life of Jesus. It's John 12. Things are getting serious. Jesus is now saying, um, we've turned a corner, and here's this, here, I'm, I'm on my way to the cross. That's the hour that Jesus talks about. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And then he prays, Jesus prays this little prayer. It, it's, a, it's another way of saying, hallowed be your name. Father, glorify your name. Then, look at it, a voice came out of heaven. Exactly what we think, right? God, why don't you do this all the time? If you want to say something, 
I mean, why do I have to read a book for crying out loud? I don't like to read. Why, why do I have to listen and be silent? I don't, I don't like that. Why don't you just come down, grab the remote out of my hand, put it on mute and talk, right? Why don't you just do that? A voice came out of heaven. Here's God. I have both glorified, right? I don't know if God's like slow, like he's not real smart, like he speaks slow, but you know, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd said, they fell to their knees and said, surely now this Jesus is the Messiah indeed. And we will turn to him in mass and, and the kingdom will come right now. Yeah, that's what happened, right? You do know the rest of the story, right? You do know about Good Friday and Easter and why people still wear crosses to this day and get them tattooed on themselves because it went like this instead. So the crowd of the people who stood by. So it's not like Jesus just heard this. Everybody heard this. And the crowd of people stood by and they were saying, was that thunder? I think that was thunder. That was thunder. Or another, and other people said, oh, an angel. An angel spoke to him. So don't get this idea that if God were to just speak it in the sky, you or me, that we would just go, oh, okay. Now it's clear. The reason that God isn't heard, let's just say it probably has more to do with us than him. Probably. I mean, you know, let's, I don't want to go too far here, but it's probably, the problem is not most likely with God. That's safe to say, wouldn't you think? So this is part, and I want you to think about this. This is part of God's general policy, his, the way God rolls. This is just how God does things. His general policy of not forcing us into relationship with him. God could yell and overwhelm and be loud and forceful. He definitely has that in his in his tool belt. God definitely has that tool that he occasionally does. But that's not how he, that's not the policy because God's desire is for relationship. After all, the most important commandment, the, the commandment that summarizes all the commandments is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your might, right? So if that's the most important commandment, how do you get there? Have you noticed this, that people you scream at rarely become your friends? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever screamed your way into a deep friendship? I, I don't think so. And that's, see, that's God's, see, the point of life for us and God's design for us as people made in the Imago Day. People made, think about that. God didn't make robots. He didn't make puppets. He made beings made in his own icon, his own image. And so since that's the point, the, we live, God's desire is that we live as co-workers with him, co-creators of our world with him. That's the vision for our life, that we and him are in this collaborative relationship where we're able to say to God, hey, how about if we do this? And God is able to say to us, that's a great idea. I think we should do that. Good job. Let's do that. It's not us sitting there going, okay, God, I'm not, what? No, God's like, come on, let's do this together. It's kind of like those of you that have raised kids, right? Most of us, there are the parents among us who never raise their voice with their children, right? Like, we call them liars. <laughs> and uh, they're, uh, right? Or people that make us sick, or people with docile kids full of Benadryl and stuff. But uh, the, uh, nah, I'm just kidding. But there's others of us that occasionally had to uh, speak at a little higher volume every now and then, right? Now, here's the deal. There are times when it is appropriate to raise your voice to a kid. Get out of the street. You're going to get killed, right? Like when you see a little one like walking towards a, 
a street or something, you don't, you don't reason with them. You don't talk softly. You yell. And if necessary, you grab and pull, right? You do what you got to do, right? Right? But that's not the... That's not, if that's the only thing you do as a parent, you, are, you, you know, as parents, you can train your kid to only listen to you when you yell. They can, if, you, if they know that that's the only time you're serious is when you yell, well, you're training them to wait. To, you don't have to do anything until they start yelling. And they, they can figure this out, right? And you don't want to do that. So here's the deal is God's voice normally comes soft and still, and it must be learned to be heard. And it must be missable. It can be missable, right? It's part of God's policy. I, um, I uh, have a friend that is on TV. He's on ESPN. Trent Dilfer was in our college group when I was a youth pastor in Fresno. Great guy, uh, a great guy who loves God, and uh, he's now all over. If you watch ESPN, and um, he uh, would when he first like lost touch with him and stuff. But when he first got to the NFL, he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember those disgusting orange uniforms they had? And then, um, then they hired this coach named Tony Dungy. And uh, Trent always said, man, when I grow up, that's who I want to be is that guy. And he said, Tony Dungy came into the locker room and said, and like he said about in this tone of voice and about at this volume, men, you need to get used to hearing me speak at this volume because this is the loudest you're ever going to hear me speak. So that's just how we're going to be. So, you know, if you don't wait for me to yell, this is, this is how this is. And he says, guess what? It worked. You do, I mean, he's got a Super Bowl ring. He, it's the, right? So how do you do this? Like, what are the, how do you learn to hear? How do you learn to listen? Here's a few things. First of all, try this. Expect. What if you expect, if I expect God to speak to me, I'm way more likely Duh, to hear God speak to me. Remember what Samuel said to Eli, it shall, be, it shall be when he says to you, when he calls you. Now, it's not totally in our hands. God is a, God is a, a free person. But as we expect and lean and do this with our ears, kind of thinking that somebody is likely to speak, we're more likely to hear it, right? God can and does speak to regular schmoes like us, but here's the deal is when we expect, we hear. Have you noticed that in life, here's kind of a truism, that you get what you put out. You know, if you think the world is full of jerks, guess what you tend to run into all over the place? Jerks, right? <laughs> it's like, and guess who else? Guess what else people tend to run into when they run into, no, just kidding. But, uh, right, you know, you get what you put out. If you put out anger, you tend to get anger. If you put out kindness, you tend to get kindness. If you put out impatience, you tend to get, right? That's just kind of life. And you, you, you tend to find what you're looking for in life. You tend to. Not 100%, but you tend to find what you're looking for. If you put out negativity and doubt and unbelief, you tend to get that. If, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for reasons not to believe, you tend to find those. Have you ever noticed, like, if you decide, you, say you need to buy a new car or a car, and you narrow it down, and you're like, okay, I want one of these. I want a, a, a Dodge Durango or a Dodge Caravan or whatever, right? And uh, you decide that's the car you're going to get. Now, guess what when you're going to decide that? Guess what you tend to see everywhere after that? You see a million of those, right? You're like, damn, I didn't know there was that many on the street, you know, and there are. I, remember when they had uh, 
the thing with the quarters, and they were making state quarters, quarters for every state. My, my son was pretty small then, and he somehow got into that, and we decided we had to get all the state quarters. Man, that kid could spot a quarter from a mile away at that point. He's like a hawk flying over, like, there's the quarter, zoom. I mean, it was crazy, because you, can, you expect what you get. Here's, here's a verse that I've read dozens and dozens of times, and never guy heard another guy preach on it. I'm like, that makes a guy named Bill Johnson that... And it's a friend of ours here. Um, and he said this. Uh, he showed me this verse in a message I listened to. There it is. Um, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of us kings to search out a matter. Now, here's a funny little thing. The word matter is the word in Hebrew, davar. Okay, say davar. Davar means, in its noun form, it means uh, word. Davare uh, is like the verbal form to speak. Same word. Keep that, can keep that up there. There we go. He says, what he literally said, now, davar can be a thing, too. Like the Ten Commandments. The Bible never calls the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you knew that. It, it calls them the esheret davarim, the ten words. Like, these aren't, it's not so much, here's the ten rules for successful. No, these are the words of our covenant together. Just know that's a side sermon. But um, he says, it is the glory of God to conceal a word. But it is the glory of kings to dig it out. It is our glory to dig it out. See, it's, it's kind of God's, it, it highlights God's worth, his glory, his weight and worth, to, to make us kind of dig for stuff. Remember, he's after relationship with us, to where we do life with him. And guess what? Sometimes it's good for us to have to dig a little bit, to have to think, to have to go to him and hang out with him and go, okay, okay God, I think you're saying this to me. Man, I better, I got to really think about this. I'm going to look in the Bible and see if that squares with the Bible. I got to dig for this. That's your glory. That shows that you're made in the image of God. That shows your worth. It's the glory of God. See, so expect. How about this, number two, ask. Have you ever tried that, that one? Okay, this one. Just simply ask God to say, to speak to you. Simply ask him to speak to you. Maybe try it like Samuel. You can say, speak, Lord. I'm all ears. Your servant is listening. You could say a prayer like this. You could say it right now. You don't even have to wait till the end of the message, which is kind of come in about an hour. Um, you, you don't have to, you could just simply say right now, you could say, God, I'm not sure what this all means. To be totally honest, I'm a little unnerved by this, but I would like to hear from you. Here's number three, evaluate. There's two things. I evaluate me. Let's start with that. Let's evaluate me. I ask myself this question, what is it that's keeping me from hearing? Is there any blockage in my hearing? Isaiah 59.1 says, hey, the Lord's hand is not so short that he cannot save. His ear's not so dull that he cannot hear, but it's the stuff in my life. It's, it's my sin. It's the, it's the stuff I know that I'm, that I'm holding on to that just is killing me and killing everybody else. It's the stuff that... It's the way, it's the stuff that I know isn't right in me that I'm just grabbing onto. That's, it's kind of putting distance between me and God. So I evaluate that. I, remember, hearing God is a part of, I so wish you had memorized this phrase, hearing God is a part of conversational relationship with God. That's the point. Hearing God is, it's not like God speaks for our entertainment. 
It's not like God's like speech just to freak us out, right? And you notice in the story, there's two main characters in the story we read. Who, who are they? There's, there's of course, Eli, right? And Samuel, right? There's the Samuel types that didn't know that this kind of thing was possible. Apparently, Samuel didn't know that you could do this. He's just plain new to the whole. That's many of you in this room. This is new information for you. You're like, maybe you've been in church a long time and you've never heard stuff like this. Or maybe you're new to church and you're like, really? God's up for this? Yeah, he's totally up for this. Maybe you're a Samuel type. Maybe you're an Eli type, right? Now, there's other types. These are just the two that are in the story. But what, you know, you're a person that used to hear from God. You remember days. You you remember days. You have fond memories of days that you used to hear from God. And you do know, if you, if you read the rest of the story, the thing God was trying to say to Samuel was actually for Eli. But God's like, I can't get through to this guy anymore. I mean, he's, he's an old veteran. He, knew, he, he could tell somebody else how to do it, and he was right. He was good advice. But he couldn't hear from God anymore. There's, so like, it's always good to kind of go, okay, God, what? What's going on? Is there anything I'm holding on to that's pushing you away? Here's, but we also evaluate the message itself. Just because God speaks doesn't mean that I know what it means. Sometimes God will t- say a word to you. You're like, what do I do with that? <laughs> what is that? I don't even know what that means. Sometimes someone, God will have a word for, for someone else. And it doesn't mean that you should just immediately run to them because you need to evaluate that. Maybe God's saying, I'm going to give you this, but you're not supposed to tell them yet. Just pray. I just I could do a whole message on this, but I just want to give you four quick little evaluative tools on the message, right? So recognizing the whispers. Here it is. Number one is el, la Biblia, right? The Bible. See, does this sound like something you might find in the Bible? Here's, here's a funny thing that's happened to me sometimes. I've had people that are really new in their deal with God that, say, that will say, Ed, I feel like God's saying this to me. And they'll say something, and part of what they say is a, is a quote, a phrase from the Bible. I'm like, did you know that's in the Bible? They're like, no, I, I haven't read very much of the Bible yet. And so it's like, so like, that's a good question to ask. Is this, is this in the Bible? Certainly, if it contradicts the Bible, you're off base. But, but is, it, is it anywhere in there? By the way, that's why, we, that's why it's such a great idea to read the Bible regularly, to, to kind of know the kind of things God wants to say to people and to kind of put more coat hangers in the closet of your brain to go, all right, God, maybe you want to say this. Here's another one. Um, I call it uh, cross current. This voice inside of you, this, it, by the way, it's usually your own voice. It's your own, it sounds like your voice. It's not like God, you know, sends something. But this cross current idea, Here's how Isaiah says it. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's what I mean by cross-current, is that we ask ourselves this question, is, is, is sometimes you're, you're trailing along, and you're, there's a line of thought in your head, that inner conversation that's going on, and you'll, there'll be something that feels, that it will seem like a comet, of, a thought comet, crossing the orbit it's not in orbit with the other thoughts it just goes whoosh, right through your head you're like where does that thought come from it won't like again it won't bowl you over notice with samuel and eli that samuel is laying in bed thinking about whatever and he thinks the guy down the hall needs help and he gets up to go help right 
It's a cross-current thought. There'll be something that'll be, like, you might have this. This one happens a lot to people. You'll think of somebody that you haven't thought of for 15 years. Just through your head. You have, and it's not like you're, you know, I'm thinking of pizza, and pizza reminds me of pepperoni, and pepperoni gives people bad breath, and, oh, I knew this guy had really bad breath. I mean, it's not like that, or, you know. But there's, like, just for no reason, just come, you're in the shower, or you're driving somewhere, and it comes, they, they come to your mind. It could be God saying, hey, let's talk about them. Hey, maybe you should say a prayer for them right now. Maybe that should happen for you. Is there something, God, you want to say? So watch, just just keep an eye on those. I'm not saying that's for sure, God, but often that is. Here's another one, recurring thoughts. Pay attention. Sometimes the language of God is about the repeated things. God, God, as he speaks to you repeatedly, because he speaks, notice with Samuel, it was four times. It was four times. I was um, recently uh, somebody that is in our church <clears throat> that I have a lot of respect for. Ann Whiteley is her name. And she, she said, uh, hey, Ed. Uh, and, and by the way, part of the both blessings and hazard of my job is people are always recommending great books to me. And, and they're good books. It's not like they, you know, but it's like, it's like I got a stack of books I could never read in two lifetimes. But uh, so she said to me, hey, I got this book I think you should read. It's called The Unhurried Life by this guy named Alan Fadley. And I knew that name and I kind of vaguely heard of the book. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. And I, you know, it's not like I know her. She's, she's I have a lot of respect for her. So, but I'm like, I don't have time to read about The Unhurried Life. And uh, so, um, and so like uh, not too long after that, somebody else came up to me and said, Hey, I'm reading this book. It's really good. Uh, it's called The Unhurried Life. And I'm like, wow, yeah, you're the second person to say this to me. And um, so then, and, and I just started thinking about this. And I, I was, uh, and then, uh, remember uh, Dave and Karen Carlson? We had them up here. They're on their way to China. Remember them? So we, they get done. You guys are awesome. We rocked them up. We sent them out. We gave generously to them. And, we're, and, and uh, I'm standing out there after talking to a bunch of you. And they're about to leave. And she says, Ed, I have a gift for you, and uh, I just want to, you know, I've, you guys have meant so much to me. It's a book. I wrote a little note in it for you, and anybody want to take a wild guess as to what the book is, right? There it is. And so guess what book I'm reading next in my life, right? I'm just thinking, okay, God, I don't have time for this, but apparently I should read about the unhurried life, right? Here's one more. Is, uh, I, could, I, I could do a whole sermon on this. It's a great passage. Confirmed is your next word. We've got recurring. I already got that one. Give me the next one. Confirm, First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 20. Flash the verse up there real quick. Verse there. Do not quench the spirit. Don't be one of those, don't be that guy. Don't be the poo-poo on everything guy. Don't be the, the arms folded, lean back, well, you know, I don't know. About this. Sure, yeah, oh yeah, God spoke to you. Don't be that guy, right? Don't quench the spirit. Don't be the wet blanket of God's party. Um, don't despise prophetic utterances. Uh, God speaks to us through, to each other, through each other. Don't be the person, don't have your first response to be, well, that couldn't have been God. About you or about somebody else, all right? But examine everything carefully. That's the good stuff. Hold on to that. Grab it. The stuff that looks evil, like every form, it's actually every appearance of evil is the word. It does, this isn't some verse like, don't ever do anything that might look bad in someone else's eyes. It's not at all what this verse is about. In the context, like, 
when you get a prophetic utterance, if something smells funny and looks bad, well, just keep walking. You don't have to be freaked out about this. Here's one more. So we expect, we ask, we evaluate, and here's, here's how else you can lean forward, is you listen. You listen. Actually listen. So I gave you just some places to look and to listen. So this week, maybe we walk around with Samuel's space-creating prayer. We walk around with Samuel's space-creating prayer this week. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I think I wrote it on your outline again. So right now, here's what I, remember I asked you to take your outline out, flip it over. Or no, you don't have to because it's not on the back this time. So, or you're already on the back. So, so if you'd bow your head just for a moment. There should be some kind of pen in front of you in the, in the pocket of your chair. Maybe you have one out already. And I'd, I'd like you to just do this. Just whisper this prayer. Okay, just look down. Look down. And just whisper this prayer. Speak, Lord. I'm all ears. Your servant is listening. Your servant is listening. 